welcome back to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a fantastic theater artist. We are joined by the playwright and director, Ashley Edelman, whose new show, Pretending to Fly, which is being presented by Frigid New York and for Infinite Variety Productions, is playing July 26th through the 30th at Under St. Mark's. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. And this is a fantastic show. And not only as a tour guide here in New York, but a longtime lover of the city itself, this is just such a wonderful story that we are so excited to be sharing with you. And so the perfect person I think to bring on to help us do that obviously is our playwright and director, our guest, Ashley Edelman. So Ashley, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you're here because this work just sounds fantastic. In the short synopsis that was sent to me, I knew right away, I was like, this is a show that I have to share with people. It sounds so incredible. So if we could start by having you tell us a little bit more about the show. So New York actually, though, is a big character of my show, the actual show itself, and even the development of the show. So like you said, the name of the show is Pretending to Fly. And the show takes place in the summer of 2020 in New York City. And you have two roommates, Caitlin and Francis, who, for some reason, in summer 2020 in New York City, are trying to like hold their sanity and their friendship together. And they did what a lot of people did during 2020 in New York City. They either go to a fire escape or a rooftop. And a lot of them were are illegal in New York City, but no matter what, they still went up there. And these two characters, they find the escape that they're looking for in the tales of this woman, Carla Howard Horowitz, who was a woman Air Force Service pilot from World War II and also is the subject of Caitlin's dissertation. And as they lose themselves in Carla's story of freedom and flying and being in the clouds, they come face to face with their own truths about loss, yearning, and societal restrictions. And the play itself is actually based on real interviews that I did with Carla back in 2017. And then that's how the script started. And then later on, I interviewed 35 New York City residents who stayed here during COVID, and I added that into the script. So it's what I call a reimagined documentary theater piece, because it takes the unspoken sides of history in the past, puts them into a situation in the present day so we can examine it to have a better understanding of how we can move forward. So that's a a little bit of the synopsis. And like I said, New York City is a big character in that play. So we have, I would tell people we have four people in the play. We have the two roommates, Caitlin and Francis. We have the incredible Carla Howard Horowitz and New York City. That sounds incredible. And again, a love letter to New York. Who doesn't love New York, you know? So I love though that you've got this connection between two different time periods that you've married them together. So having those kind of two different stories, well, before we talk about how you kind of blended them, where did you come up with the idea to write this particular show, Pretending to Fly? What was the inspiration behind that? So it's one of those moments where theater and real life come hand in hand, because like I mentioned, the synopsis, these two characters are trying not to lose their mind during COVID. And I was living in Hamilton Heights in the spring of 2020 and losing my mind a little bit. And I realized I never transcribed the interview I did with this woman, Carla Howard Horowitz. 
And I remembered her interview and she was just this force. No matter what happened to her, she was so excited. And I don't think it ruins anything in the play. When we introduce her in the play, I talk about I had to interview her twice because her first time she had a date right after. A woman was 91 years old. Nothing stopped her no matter what. So I started transcribing her interviews and I got lost in her interviews and her tales about what it took for her to become a pilot and then even what it was like as the war was winding down and things were changing and her life was changing and so as I did it I, I thought this is a great play why can't we have two people that are trying to forget everything that's happening in New York City by reacting Carla's story. And then from there, I, I got two of my friends and we did a lot on Zoom and then we did in parks and they got lost in the story. You know, obviously from there, we had to make it and sculpt it into something more. But the the beginning of all of it was actually a bunch of artists. And I worked with a few different artists. I could get a lot of feedback on it. We would do endless readings because we didn't have very much else to do in 2020. And it actually... Because again, one of the things in the play about these two people who don't know like what their purpose was. I think that was a big conversation during COVID. You know, Shakespeare wrote some great play during this time. And what are you doing to keep yourself, you know, present and accountable and all of that while you're going through a global pandemic? Because that's the top of the list right there. So, but it did, it gave us a little bit of purpose. And that's why we all started writing this play. And Carla kind of gave us a little bit of a purpose. That's incredible. Now, I want to go back to the idea that you've got these two storylines, essentially, in two different times that you marry together. What was it like developing that and then the production itself as it is today? So it was a really long process. And in some ways, we were quite lucky that we had to take our time because theater took a while to come back. Because sometimes it feels like there's a rush to put a production up. But I spent a good portion of 2020 looking at Carla's uh, stories and themes and talking to friends about what they were going through and how we could connect her story. And what were some of the fun stories that she talked about that remind them of their first times when they came to New York City. Because a lot of her stories were about when she went to Sweetwater, Texas, which is where she did her training to be a woman Air Force Service pilot. And so we had a really long process to really try to get the convert the stories of Carla and actual real conversations that we're having in the present day moment about what people remembered about their first time in New York City, as well as what they were going through. And then unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess for the creation of the script, after we started to create these two characters that are based on what we were going through, and then the 35 people that I interviewed who were around during New York, in New York City during COVID, we found that there was a lot of things in history that do not change. Like there were a lot of people who were excluded from the Women Air Force Service pilot program, how women were treated in the program, the fact that the program did end once, unfortunately, women were not needed, et cetera. So I wish I could say that those themes were really hard to connect, but unfortunately, they weren't as hard to connect. And then the last part of it that I really wanted to get for this play. So like a lot of people, I have a, like a Peter Pan obsession. You know, I love that's why there's so many movies and all that. And I, I've been examining why I love Peter Pan and this idea that, you know, they go to the edge of the window and he's like, I'll take you to Neverland. And this world where there's magic and fun and you get lost in it. But there's never an ending in Peter Pan where Wendy and all of them stay. Not that I know of. It's usually they, they go back to reality because reality 
seeps in even when you add the magic. But I realize it's so important with the show that is about COVID and war and all these other things to make people feel like they have a brave and fun space to get lost in. We can only, I think a lot of times, talk about those harsh issues when you have a magical world to go into, which is theater in itself. But also, I really wanted to look at how I can make the production bring our audience into the world that the two roommates find when they're telling Carla's story. So after we workshopped the script for, I would say a good year and a half, two years, I started looking into how I could use natural lights on stage and, you know, it's on a rooftop. So I was like, oh, there's a lot of different lights we can do. And then even just the amount of play that the two characters start to create when they're telling Carla's story. And, you know, in, in Peter Pan, everything becomes like they can make a, you know, pretend they're in a fight with like a blade of grass, you know, and in like the movie Hook. You know, I love the scene where he doesn't see anything. And then all of a sudden he goes to like shoot food at one of the little kids. And then he sees all the food around him. It doesn't take that much for us to believe that we're in a different world. And I I wanted that to be there in the script. So the characters start in New York City, you know, during the summer or around July of 2020. But them and the audience as the play goes, finds themselves basically in, in Carla's story and the clouds and in Neverland. But no one stays in Neverland forever because you'd have to you'd have to not think about any bit of reality because if you want like everyone says if you want love you have to have pain you know like unfortunately they go hand in hand so that was the last part of the production itself it's still you know it's more coming from the land of pretend like the actors pretending and really putting their hearts into it than more the production values that you know with like an elaborate set or anything but I don't think you need that much when you have a great imagination. So that's kind of where we are today with the production we're going to put up at Under St. Mark's the end of July. That's incredible. I love all of that. Well, I want to build on on what you just said, and I want to ask, what is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from the show? I think there's two main messages. I don't, again, I don't think it ruins anything. I'm, you know, there's little bits of the play. I don't mind telling people, but there's this moment I had asked Carla what it felt like to uh, man these planes. And what she said to me was, she asked me, do you like to drive? And she said, you know, that moment when you're driving a car and the car becomes an extension of you. And she talks about this one plane that she couldn't drive and she finally was able to. And she says, and that was the day that I felt like I was born. That's the day that I became me. And what I'm hoping people get out. So, there's a lot of reasons people move to New York City. A lot of times, you know, they're they're trying, I think a lot of times people feel like, you know, they can get a little bit more accepted in New York City, or there's a million places that you can go and people you can meet. And I think one of the, and that was a big thing for Carla and a lot of other people, and even these two roommates, you know, the, you know, they, I think during COVID, a lot of things stopped. And I know for myself, when I wasn't doing theater and a lot of other things, I realized that a lot of my jobs and everything became my identity. And I had to really spend time thinking about who I was and also realizing, okay, are there people who actually need me and do I have the spaces where I can really be me? And I hope when people leave, they understand that that's really that anyone wants. Because when Carla was up there in the clouds flying, she felt free and she felt like she could be her. And that's what people are asking for. And you just, 
you have to give people the space. And I, I think a lot of times we have an idea of who we want someone to be or our own opinions of what that is. And even especially, well, say even especially during times, I'd like to say that there's never, you know, there are times when we're not going through something, but life is hard. And, you know, the best thing you can do to someone is allow them to be them. You don't need to understand it. You don't, you know, if they want to answer questions about it, that's fine. Or you could figure and research yourself, but allow people to be themselves because there's nothing more freeing than when someone says you are you and that's cool. So that's the the biggest part of it. And the second part is I hope when people leave, they have conversations, whether it's about who they are and what they want to be, or even how so how so much has changed in the past few years. And I, I have found myself not able to find the space to really talk about how things have changed. And I'm not sure why I would like to talk about it, but I feel like we went through so much the past few years. And now, you know, even when New York City opened back up, everyone was so quick to go back into the world, but we never had a chance to talk about how much changed. And I hope people see this play and whether they have a conversation with themselves or they go to the bar afterwards, the only thing I ask is that at one point they converse with someone or themselves about what they got out of this play. Because if it, I wanted, I just want people to have conversations from it. I don't care if they love it, hate it, anything. I just wanted to have conversation. Yes, I love that. I love a good piece of theater that makes you think and want to talk afterwards. So I love that. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to pretending to fly? Everyone. (laughs) I, I hope everyone does. I mean, I think there are certain people that can get a lot out of it. I think obviously... There's a lot of women and non-binary who have had a lot of areas and jobs that were excluded to them. And I hope that hearing from Carla and the story, they can, you know, realize that if we work together and for others, we work together, we can do it. But, it, you know, representation is important. So being able to see people fighting for something that they want. So I hope, you know, I hope that a lot of younger teens come in and see it. I, I hope that a lot of women pilots who perhaps are older who had to fight come and see it so they can know that they're not alone in their journeys. I hope that a lot of people who are not here in New York City come and see it because there was a lot of things on the news about what was happening in New York City. And as someone who was born and raised in New York City, I think it's important for people to know what it was actually like for New Yorkers living here during this time because the news media played a lot of it up and one of the things I told my cast is that when they came out with the New York City is dead and everyone was saying that, that was my home. And I'd like people to understand that when they say stuff or even when they come to visit the city and they say things like, oh, the place is so tiring. It's this. That's fine. But remember, people live here and this is our home. And we went through a whole lot during COVID. So I'd like for them to have an, at least a little bit more of an understanding of what our actual world was when our entire city had to shut down so quickly. Switch things up for part two. <laughs> I'd mm-hmm. love to get to know you a little bit more. And I'm going to start off with my, you know, 
regular first question, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are some of your favorites? So I think the production that has inspired me for many, many years is almost everything that the dance company Alvin Ailey does. Every time I see them, I mean, I've seen Revelations over and over and I, I every time I'm like, oh, I've seen this and then they do it and I'm stunned. I think that company in general, first, their, their use of fabric. I love, you know, I talked about how anything, you know, you can we use fabric in the play and it can become anything, but they use fabric in a way. They were my first inspiration of, you know, they use the blue for weight in the water and you're like, yes, it's water and it's beautiful. And the way that their stories are really intimate, a lot of their solo pieces, they have this one cry that's an older piece and it's a solo and it's just this, like one it's, it has like the woman is wearing all white with white fabric and there's a spotlight in her. And she, it tells an entire beautiful story with one person. And I'm inspired by anything that is passionate and has a story that needs to be told. And it's obviously a company that has a lot of stories to be told. Those dancers, the athleticism and the commitment that they must have is incredible. And there's an intimacy. A lot of my plays, they are very intimate. You know, they're, you're going, and I like plays where the audience feels like they're part of the production. And I feel like I'm like breathing with the dancers when I'm there on them. And I, so I think Alvin Ailey is one that I think is beyond inspiring. For theater, I will say I went to go see Indecent. And that was one of the most incredible theater pieces I've ever seen. Also, because the director of it, the way that she choreographed Polo Vogel's work, it felt is very fluid and everything kind of got reused and the imagination was beautiful. But there's a moment in there and I hope it's okay that I say it. I hope it doesn't ruin anything. People, they can like close their ears. But so my family, obviously, we went through the Holocaust. We lost a lot of our family. That's a big part of my ancestry. There's a lot of movies and other such things for it. But in the moment where after they shut down the show and a lot of the Yiddish theater company has to head back to Europe. And this is a, a beautiful play, regardless of even how it was directed, because it's based in actual theater history, you know, and also in New York City. But, you know, so you have that it's, you know, late 30s and you're having all these people heading back to Europe, which is in, in a Yiddish company. And they're all standing in line. And then you hear about Hitler coming in, all of that. And then all the actors just turn and they let go of their hands and there's just ash in their hands. And then it went and it was a blackout. And I, I remember thinking, oh, my God, she just told the story of what happened to my entire family. Right. We had this whole family. Uh, I was able to do a little bit of Ancestry.com and see that I had a whole family in Poland, like a, a bunch of Edelman. We were Edelman, but a bunch of Edelman there in exactly 30 seconds. There was no talking. It was movement and genius. And that inspired me to, like, theater, again, it showed something in the past, in the present, and it was barely 30 seconds. So I think that that was something that, to this day, has stuck with me and how she was able to choreograph it. Yes. Yeah, I remember that production very, very clearly. Well, kind of going along with that, have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? So 
There's a show that I did see. Uh, it is a frigid show that it is coming up. And it's I just want to mention that if it's okay, because I did see a show of theirs not that long ago. So there's a, this incredible company called Something From Abroad, and they do a lot of stuff with Bridget. And I went to go see, they did this piece. It was a, it was a very merry immigrant Christmas. It was a Mexican pastorella, and it used that to comment on world current events. And you have this couple that are immigrants, and they're looking to come to the U.S. to make a better life. And this angel announces the baby they have will save the world and become the president of the United States, and the devil's trying to stop them. And they did such a beautiful job of commenting on current day politics and including their own heritage and culture. And so they have a piece coming up that's called Hamlet La Telenova that is coming up, I think actually even next week it starts. And they can also find out that information at Frigid as well. The company does beautiful work. And so I hope they bring that other piece back for the holidays, but you can also see and support this really, I think they're an important company. So that's something that I absolutely love. I just thought it was so genius and what a great way. Cause I always love any play that like it needs to activate us in the current day. And I think that play really did. I'm looking forward to their next piece too. Yes. Kimosen and something from abroad theaters putting on that show. They were guests on our show recently. It's I can't wait. It's so much fun. So. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? That, so I think my favorite part is that present moment, the moment in the present, right? The one we talked about where like, you know, you believe that something's going to happen. And I always like to tell my actors that there's something really special in that moment of theater when you've done something and the audience doesn't, can't even say anything. Like, you know, that moment of silence, like I, you know, when, when they let go of that ash and like the theater just stopped we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing and you know and so there's this beauty of the fact that we're all in the theater together and it's the most present I think if we allow ourselves that we can be because if there's a mistake that happens on theater you're the only in that moment you're the only one who will truly grasp it because even if it's filmed there's a different feeling than you know when that happens I saw a production of Glass Menagerie and they did, didn't uh, hit <laughs> the, the glass and all of us were like <gasps> and then the actor just kind of like went back and hit it really quickly and I love moments like that because it can only happen in the theater and it can only happen in the rehearsals if you know beautiful moments happen when you're in the present and I think, you know, it's hard not to worry about the future and think about the past. And obviously, as someone who does historical works, so I spend a lot of time in both worlds. But there is nothing like that present moment when the audience is so, is breathe. like I said, they're, they're breathing with you. And in the actual rehearsal space, when like, you know, the sound person's doing their thing and all of a sudden you realize the sound has entered the acting, you know, and the lights have entered the sound. And in that moment, when all of them come together, it is the most present moment of all these great artistic minds working together. And I think there is nothing more beautiful than that, those moments. I love that. That's so wonderful. And it's a good lead into my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? <laughs> the hard question, because I get so excited about like what I did last week. So I can you ask me next week, but I'm going to talk about, so we did a show right before COVID called Nellie and the Woman of Blackwell. 
it was actually my first piece, a documentary theater piece I wrote that was immersive. I think, I, you know, I told you I was really intrigued about how history could be told in an immersive way. And it took Nellie Bly's expose on Blackwell's Island. And I, you know, it was public domain. So I was able to create a piece around it. And I also did act in that one, too. My friend directed it. And so I could act in it because I, I thought it was fun. Like, you, you know, there's nothing like being the present of like someone in front of you and Having, you know, we did have plot points that you did have a narrative that you had to keep to tell Nellie's story. We had two tracks. And whenever there's a couple that comes in together, we try to separate them. And this one woman was very unhappy about that. She was holding on to her husband for dear life because, you know, when you're going in for Nellie, you go into, we have the entire audience goes in undercover with Nellie. So you're getting legally committed to an insane asylum. And so she followed me. I was one of the patients there. It was based on an actual woman, Tilly. And when she first started, she was so terrified. and wouldn't come near me. And by the end, so Tilly, unfortunately, gets very sick from a lot of the treatment there and all of that. And, you know, in, in the immersive world, I put my hand out to see if they would accept to join me in a moment. I put my hand out to her. And when my character was sick, she, this is obviously right pre-COVID, she came into the bed with me. And we had this like really beautiful moment where she was humming to my character and all of that. And, you know, like we just talked about, she believed that my character was going through this and she offered a moment of kindness within all of it. And I think that that's what theater can do. I really believe for everyone who's doing immersive work, that's the, the thing you can do is that you can, you know, you can have a moment with the audience and you guys can learn from each other and, Funny enough, the show closed March 8th, 2020. So I think I hold on to that as like one of my favorite moments because it was before the world was a little scared of touching each other. And so it was like really, it was such a beautiful moment with this woman. So yeah, I think that's one of my favorites. I love that. What a beautiful memory. What an incredible memory. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for asking the question. Well, do you have any productions or projects coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? So obviously, Pretending to Fly, after we show it and premiere it at Under St. Mark's, we're actually bringing it to Edinburgh for two weeks. So if there's anyone out there that is going to Edinburgh, we're going to be doing it August 10th through the 27th at the space, the symposium. And we're really looking for other artists that are doing similar work that we are, because while we're there, we're doing a panel about documentary theater. So we actually have met up with a bunch of other artists from around the world who are also be giving a little bit of information about how they view documentary theater and what inspires them. And we'll be doing a, a panel in Edinburgh. And then when we come back in the fall, we're excited to say that just confirm that we're doing a partnership in the Bronx, which is where Infinite Variety Productions is, the company that's producing Pretending to Fly. The Bronx Heritage Music Center is going to, we're going to be doing a workshop production of another piece that I'm writing, directing, that we did a workshop at under St. Mark's last, this past spring called Excavating the Rising Star. And that's actually the oral histories of women archaeologists who were hired to go to South Africa and brought up a new hominid fossil. And so I interviewed them during 2020, because again, what was one going to do? <laughs> we were all stuck inside. It was actually really good for interviewing. And so we're going to hold auditions in the Bronx and we're trying very hard to engage the Bronx audience. We're going to be doing a reading of the play as well as we're looking to partner with a musician and a dancer because one of the characters in it 
is what they did find, this new hominid fossil that's called Homo naledi. There's a lot of information about it actually right now. I think there's a Netflix documentary series and all of that because we're learning a lot about ourselves, obviously, because they're pretty sure that this ancient hominid uh, purposely buried their dead there, which is a big, big deal. So it looks at not only what does it mean to be human, but also what does it mean to be a woman in the field of archaeology and perhaps what has changed and what hasn't. So we don't have the dates yet for that, but we're starting. And so I would love if anyone lives in the Bronx, has information. So the Bronx and Edinburgh and the Lower East Side, all of those artists, you know, let us know. We'd love to have you come see the shows and just be in contact and work together. I love it. Yes. Finally, with all of this going on, if our listeners want more information about Pretending to Fly or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? So through the theater company Infinite Variety Productions, if they go on our website, which is www.infinitevarietynyc.org, there's information about the show that's happening in under St. Mark's. There's a contact page there where they can reach out to the company. It always, you know, they'll always send it to me. They can learn more about everything we're doing. You can also contact me. My website is ashleybedelman.com. Any, you know, and I tell anyone, even if you're like, I'm not an artist, but I listen to this and I have a thought about something you said, I love to hear from you. So fill out those comps in that contact information or go there to learn about the show. And if you did, anyone who's listening, if you listen to this and you come see the show, please stay afterwards. And I'd love to hear what you learned from this podcast that perhaps made you come see the show. Yes. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this incredible story and the great journey this show has gone on and is going on. This has been incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and giving me the space to talk about it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. My guest today has been the playwright and director, Ashley Edelman, whose new work being presented by Frigid New York and Infinite Variety Productions is Pretending to Fly, playing July 26th through the 30th at Under St. Mark's. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. Make sure you catch the show now while it's here in New York, the 26th through the 30th of July. But you can also catch it shortly after if you are at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's going to be playing there. We'll have all that information posted as well as the contact information for Ashley on our episode description as well as on our social media post. But join us in seeing Pretending to Fly July 26th through the 30th under St. Mark's. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land One sang the praises of Cape if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. 
You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.